It's great to be here. What a great testimony, hey? It's fantastic to hear what God has done in Ian's life, and we wanted to make some time for that as well. And actually, the testimonies we've heard this morning make it clear, as Ken was preaching last week, we serve a God who is not only the most high God, but is the most nigh God, the most near God to us as well. He's high and exalted, and yet he is personal and loving towards you and to your situation as well. He's the one that can fulfill the deepest needs and longings of your heart. Jesus is the one that can do that. And the psalm makes it clear to us as well. So let's read it. I'm actually going to read a Psalm 43 as well as 42, but it should appear on the screen behind me. Otherwise, you've got your Bibles here. Uh, you want to turn to Psalm 42. And let's read Psalm 42. As a deer pants for flowing streams, so pants my soul for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? My tears have been my food day and night. While they say to me all the day long, where is your God? These things I remember as I pour out my soul, how I would go with the throng and lead them in procession in the house of God with glad shouts and songs of praise, a multitude keeping festival. Why are you cast down, O my soul? And why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God. My soul is cast down within me. Therefore I remember you from the land of Jordan and of Hermon and from Mount Mizar. Deep calls to deep at the roar of your waterfalls. All the breakers and your waves have gone over me. By day the Lord commands his steadfast love. And at night his song is with me, a prayer to the God of my life. I say to God, my rock, why have you forgotten me? Why do I go mourning? Because of the oppression of the enemy. And with a deadly wound in my bones, my adversaries taunt me, while they say to me all day long, where's your God? Why are you cast down, O my soul? And why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God Fly, for I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God. Psalm 43. Vindicate me, O God, and defend my cause against an ungodly people. From the deceitful and the unjust man, deliver me. For you are the God in whom I take refuge. Why have you rejected me? Why do I go about mourning because of the oppression of the enemy? Send out your light and your truth. Let them lead me. Let them bring me to your holy hill and to your dwelling. Then I will go to the altar of God, to God, my exceeding joy. I will praise you with a lyre, O God, my God. Why are you cast down, O my soul? And why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God. What a great psalm. And actually, they're often read together, those two psalms, because they tie in to, uh, to each other. I, um, I once heard of a preacher who was really uh, getting into Psalm 42, and he was really passionate about the fact that, you know, as the deer pants for the water, so my soul pants 
for you, O Lord. And he was getting more and more into it, talking about how, uh, God, uh, how it's good for us to pant after God. And as he was getting more and more excited, he said, he said God loves your pants. God wants your pants. <laughs> so I shall try to avoid that error or misunderstanding, as I should say, because it might mean one thing in America. It means even more a worse thing here, doesn't it, really? But uh, um, and I don't particularly want to be on the front page of the Helsham News. Pastor says, God wants your pants. <laughs> Could you imagine it? Uh, the Hebrew word uh, agagged uh, simply means long for. And actually, in Scripture, it's always linked to water, that longing for water. And what I want to say to us today as a church can be summed up in two simple points, really. That is that we should be longing for God and that we should be leading ourselves or leading yourself. So longing for God. As you look at this psalm, Psalm 42, far from dead religion or just ritualistic sort of ceremony, uh, rather than just, oh, I suppose I ought to, or I suppose I should do it, it's the right thing to do. Here in the psalm, you can see the absolute passion of the psalmist to meet with God. He's desperate to meet him with God. He's longing to meet with God, just like you might long for a drink of water. In this country, we, we kind of get it, don't we? We don't really get it, but we kind of get it. When you're on a walk that goes on for longer than you're expecting and you begin to thirst and someone, namely me, has uh, forgotten to pack the drinks bag and the sun's beating down on you and you're thinking, oh, I just need a drink. I just want a drink of water. And that's all you're thinking about as you're walking. And what was once a pleasant walk is now unpleasant because you're desperate to drink. For me... Anna can testify how uh, uh, I'm, I'm quite impressionable in this area. If I'm in, a, if I'm in a long car journey and there's not a drink in the car, all of a sudden, even though I wasn't thirsty, I am thirsty. My throat begins to dry up. I, I, need, I need a drink. But um, in this country, none of us really, you're very unlikely to die of dehydration, are you? And, and if you are that thirsty, you can usually just stand outside for a little bit. And uh, there you go, get some more water that way. But in so many parts of the world, this is not the reality for them. The reality is they are thirsty for a drink. And if they don't get a drink soon, they will die of dehydration. Your whole body and thinking is consumed with the need for water. And this is what the psalmist is talking about. Does this describe you, how you feel about coming to meet with God. It's wonderful to hear in Ian's testimony, wasn't it, that actually as he spent more time with God, he's, he's been satisfied more and more, even in a difficult and uh, dark time of his life where he's having to battle through many things. He's been satisfied in the person of God and the person of Jesus. Meeting with God should consume our thinking. It should consume our thoughts. It should be part of our daily pattern as believers. Not because we ought to, but because we want to. And hallelujah, because of Christ, we don't have to go to the temple. We don't have to go to a certain place. In Christ, we are the temple of God. He puts his spirit within us. We can meet with God anytime, any place, 
anywhere as believers. Do you long, my friends, to meet with God? Is that the longing of your heart? Are you not satisfied until you've been refreshed and satisfied in your soul by him day by day? If that's not the longing of your heart, can I just gently uh, warn you, as Jesus did the church in Ephesus in the book of Revelation, they had the works, they endured trials, they hadn't grown weary, they'd held out the truth, but Jesus said to them, but this I have against you, you've lost your first love. And as 1 Corinthians 13 makes it clear to us, that actually, without love, we are nothing. Without love, what we do for God counts for nothing. Where are you with your love for God? 1 John 4 makes it clear. We love him because he first loved us. God wants you to know his love for you afresh today. He wants you to feel that on your life. It's not just up here. It's in your heart. He wants you. Have you lost your first love this morning? As people have been sharing, as we've, we've uh, worshipped together, as I'm speaking, you think, actually, yeah, that's me. I've, my, my love has grown a bit cold for God. My friends, well, you don't earn that love back. It's like, uh, you know, have to try and do something for it. You, what you do is you remember how holy and how awesome God is. You remember how terrible your sin was and is and how great your need is for God. You repent of it. You say, sorry, Lord, that I've, I've forgotten that. And you ask him to fill you afresh with his love. You don't have to earn it. You ask him to fill you afresh with his love. And then the love of the Father that Father God has for you fills your heart afresh and causes you to change on the inside and for your love for God to begin to grow again. For those of you who don't know God, your soul, the Bible is clear, is still actually crying out for God. It's still crying out for these things. As these testimonies you've just heard up on the screen make clear to you as well. You just don't know, in a sense, what it is that you're looking for. You try to fill it with other things. Try to other things to try and satisfy and fill that deep longing of your heart. But my friends, you were made to know God and be fully satisfied in him. He's the one that will actually fulfill and meet your deepest needs and my deepest needs. The Bible says in 1 John 4, in this is love. Not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. And that word, the big word propitiation, it just means that he took God's righteous anger and judgment on himself against all the things that we and humanity have done that offend God, that hurt other people. He took that on himself on the cross as we've been singing about. Basically everything that springs from our pride-filled independence from, from God. He took that so that all who look to Jesus, to look to his life, to his death, to his 
resurrection can be forgiven, can be accepted by God. More than that, they can be adopted into God's family. God puts his spirit inside of you. His Holy Spirit comes and lives with you so that you have the presence of God with you all the time. And you can draw upon that. And if you're here this morning and you don't know Jesus and you want that for yourself, or if you're here this morning and you think, actually, I know I've, my heart's grown cold and I want to come back to a place of, being, of God being my first love in my life, can I just ask you just to pray this simple prayer along with me? While every head is bowed, let's just pray this prayer to God. Father God, thank you that you... Love me enough to send Jesus to the cross to die for me. Please forgive me of going my own way, of ignoring you, of all the things that I've done that offend you. And through the power of your spirit that raised Jesus today from the death, please help me to live the rest of my life for you. Help me to know your love afresh in my life. In Jesus' name, I ask this. Amen. Father, thank you that you would have heard every person that has prayed that prayer, whether it's a prayer of recommitment or the first time. And I just pray that even now, Lord, your spirit would just fill them afresh with a real sense of your great love, your everlasting love for them. Lord God, be upon them, I pray. And cause them to know that love and to be transformed by your love, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. The psalmist doesn't just write, though, does he, about a little bit of water. He talks about flowing streams, an abundant supply for now and the the future. Jesus says of people who put their faith in him, he says, Whoever believes in me, as the scriptures have said, Out of his heart will flow rivers, not a little bit, rivers of living waters. He said this about the Spirit, so there's no doubt what he was talking about there, whom those who believed in him were to receive. John the Baptist makes it clear about Jesus that he is the one who had the Spirit without measure, and he gives the Holy Spirit to all who put their faith in Jesus. Him. Hallelujah. We're called to drink of that Holy Spirit, to tap into that living water every day, as Ian's testimony reminded us to, to do so. We should ask the Holy Spirit to fill us afresh each day. Don't just wait for Sunday or your life group to, to get that filling. Seek the Spirit yourself each day. Otherwise, a little bit like the, the earth in the summer, when it's had the uh, sun on it, it gets a hard layer. So when it rains, actually it does no good initially because it just runs off the surface. That's what happens to your heart if you're just waiting Sunday by Sunday to meet with God. And you're like, oh, well, didn't really meet with God today. Didn't really feel the Spirit's presence. That's because often, actually, it's you've got this harder uh, layer on the outside of your spirit, because you, on your heart, because you haven't had that regular time of meeting with God. Meet with him in prayer. Set aside time in your day as well as seeking him throughout your day as well. Drink deep of God, my friends. You don't have to regulate your intake 
of the Holy Spirit. There's no sort of a limit to what God wants to pour out into your life. It's us, the Bible makes clear, who puts those limits on how much of God, how close to God we come. James 4 tells us, come close to God and God will come close to you. And then he warns, wash your hands, you sinners, purify your hearts, for your loyalty is divided between God and the world. It's our divided minds and hearts that limit how much we have of God. It's not God putting those limits on us. The more that we set ourselves apart to be with God and to seek him and to do his will, the more he meets with us. Having said, don't just wait for Sundays and and life group, though. Do make a priority of those in your week for yourself and also for others that you may encourage when you're in a good place. See in this psalm how the psalmist longs to be with the people of God. He's longing to, he's remembering a time where he was worshipping and fellowshipping with them together. Does that describe your heart, my friends? Or are you just happy to take or leave church? Or, oh, I'll, just, I'll just watch it online this week. And uh, you know, it's fine to watch it online when you're away or you're poorly or something like that. But it's your heart should be as this psalmist. I want to be in the presence of God with his people together. For not only does scripture in, he- in Hebrews, tw- uh, Hebrews 10 make it clear to us that we should regularly gather, and we mustn't give up regularly gathering, actually when we do gather, God's presence is here in a special way amongst us. You can meet with God walking in the forest, and actually me and Anna often do. We, walk, we like walking in the forest, and we often pray together and, and meet with God there. But actually, there's a greater sense of God when you meet with his presence people together, because they're people that are filled with the Spirit like you, and God says he will be there in a special way. It's here that he wants to refresh you often, to envision you, to, to meet with you and refill you. It's here, actually, often that he knocks off our rough edges, doesn't he? We're each other's sanctifying process sometimes, that as we rub shoulders with others that aren't perfect, like you're not perfect, it suddenly highlights things in your character or or your life. You think, oh, oh, I I didn't respond well in that situation. And, uh, And God uses that to make us more like Jesus. My friends, we shouldn't neglect to meet together. We should long, like the psalmist, to meet together as his people. Part of our longing for God is satisfied together here with his people or in life groups or wherever you're, you're meeting deliberately to meet with God's people. Finally, we're called to lead ourselves, be leading ourselves to God. Why are you cast down, O oh my soul? And why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God. Do you know, the psalmist here doesn't deny his feelings. He doesn't just pretend they're not there. He acknowledges his emotions to God and 
to himself, how he's, he's feeling. Remember I spoke to you about this a while ago. In fact, something that the early church fathers were a lot hotter on than, than we are in this day and age, about that double knowledge, a knowledge of God, an accurate knowledge of God and yourself. A great reformer, John Calvin, wrote, Our wisdom, in so far as it ought to be deemed true and solid wisdom, consists almost entirely of two parts, the knowledge of God and the knowledge of ourselves. Assess what's going on on the inside and bring those feelings to God. Don't bury them. Don't think God knows them anyway. So you bring them to him, all those emotions, sometimes raw emotions, to him. But we don't just let them have free reign in our life. The psalmist here doesn't let those emotions, even those in great turmoil, have free reign. He brings them back to God and reminds himself of the truth of God's word, the truth that God has revealed to us. The psalmist, as I said, is, is down He's in depression, you might say, and he's in great turmoil. But he leads his soul, his inner being, his thoughts, his emotions, his, his feelings to a place where he says, yes, but I'm going to trust in God through this. I'm going to continue to praise him. I know whatever reason that God is allowing me to go through this tough time, as Ivy reminded us right at the beginning, that first word that came, his timing is, is perfect. Whatever reason is allowing us to go through this tough time, I can trust, as the psalmist makes clear, in his steadfast love. He's going to be my song, my hope in the night. I know I can hope in him. He's the one that's going to cheer me. He's the rock that is totally dependable when everything else seems to shake and fall around us. He's the one that can lead us through the highs and the lows of life. So acknowledge my friends, acknowledge what's going on in your heart. Acknowledge your own struggles. Acknowledge where you're at. Be re have a realistic assessment of yourself. You know, so often we are, we, are, uh, we are soft on ourselves and we're harder on people around us. Oh, they should be doing this. They should be doing that. Oh, no, I didn't do it because I just wasn't feeling so well today. I didn't do that because of... Let's be harder on ourselves and softer on people around us, shall we? Because actually we need to have a, a sober assessment, Scripture says, of ourselves. Let's be honest with what's going on with ourselves and bring that to God, knowing that he will lead you through, knowing that he has the best for you, knowing that he can be totally trusted. He is trustworthy. He is faithful, the Bible says, so we can trust in him. And he has the best for you as those who are going to get baptized have, have made it clear in their testimonies. They've discovered he has the best for them. And as Rob said, baptism is done not as an act of salvation, but an act of obedience because of the fact that they have given their life to Jesus. They've already been saved through Jesus as they have surrendered their life to him. But he says, believe and be baptized. And as they go down into the water... They are saying, I want to die to my old way of life. I also want to identify my life with Christ as he went down into the grave. And as they come up out of the water, they are saying, I want to live 
in the power of the Spirit and in a new life for God. And I identify with Christ who, who through the power of the Spirit was raised from the dead. So that's what happens in baptism. And so that's what we're going to move on to now. So actually, can I invite the worship team to, to come back up here?